You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. And welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. Today we are talking about understanding nutritional information panels and ingredients lists, which kind of sounds a little dry, but I actually think it'll be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's one of those ones that once again, we talk about a lot with clients and you have a lot of questions about and we kind of brush over and kind of and forget that it's something that most people get very confused about. So I thought... We thought, why not break it down? We thought. (laughs) We collectively Um, thought. We collectively decided. At 6 p.m. last night. (laughs) I believe it was actually this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Refined it this morning. Refined it this morning. (laughs) Probably about, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, team. My, um, My microphone seems to have moved on me, so I'm like speaking up to the clouds instead of at a normal <laughs> height. <laughs> so, nutritional information panels and ingredients lists. So what what the hell are we talking about? I always think of when I'm considering these standing in the supermarket aisle with two products, usually one in one hand, one in the other, and looking at both and Damien rolling his eyes and getting annoyed and walking off, just being like, oh, my God, because I'm always oh. analysing oh, really? everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same, though. I'm the same, though. I, I, people look at me in the supermarket, like, because I'll even be in sometimes the health food, air quote, aisle. Um, and, um, yeah, and I'll just be reading stuff. And then I actually think I, like, must actually physically just shake my head and slam things back on the shelf <laughs> when I get the shits when it's like meant to be something healthy and I read the labels of it and I'm just like oh that's just full of crap or something like that and I just put it back on the shelf and walk off but yeah I'm either comparing I'm reading and taking or I'm reading and putting back on the shelf with exactly. a big eye roll yeah <laughs> and we take that for granted because we can read that info and mm. there's a lot of people that can't and even another thing that got me thinking about this topic is I see a lot of people doing little Instagram reels with these product comparisons like this versus this or, you know, whether it's a video or a picture. But I think it, that's all well and good for people to recognise brands. But ultimately, mm. the big thing that we're always about with our clients is education. So you want people to understand what they're looking for, not just like, oh, well, I saw XYZ on Instagram tell me that that brand's mm. better than that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's where marketing can come in and be tricky. Marketing is clever. Because it says healthy. And, <laughs> and there's also like, not to shame a lot of people, but some people are really trustworthy on Instagram with products that they will represent and they'll only back products that do have good clean ingredients lists. Some people are just sellouts and they will just back anything that if a company throws money at them or throws free product at them. They're just... Not to shame anyone, but some people are sellouts. <laughs> Some people are just sellouts and you've got to be careful of that. It's true. So yeah. So just because it's on Instagram, it doesn't mean it's healthier. 
as we all know. But anyway, um, yeah. Let's talk ingredients lists first because they're okay. probably nutrition slightly yeah. a little bit simpler than getting to nutritional panels. So the first thing that I think we take for granted and forget that people don't realise is that when you list ingredients, you have to, by law, list the ingredients that are the, the highest amount in that product first, first and then in the descending order. So when you look and read ingredients, whatever is listed first, second, third is the literally the highest the amount. Or predom- thank you. Predominant thank ingredients you. going down to the last. And you also have to include all of the ingredients in the product um there are little tricks that companies will use with maybe what they will call things or maybe using numbers instead of actually listing the name which is something we'll get into a little bit too but you you have to include that information but it's super important to realize that there is this order that things need to be stacked um And that really comes into its own with one of the things we're just talking about when we're comparing products, right? Like if we're looking Mm -hmm. at something and sugar is listed first First. versus, um, let's say, for example, we're picking up a muesli and the first ingredient is sugar versus another one we look at and sugar is listed as maybe the fifth or sixth ingredient. I've got a really good example of this actually because this I literally did this at the supermarket the other day and I don't know why I always get excited about chai products when they come on the market and I look at them in the supermarkets I'm like yes maybe one day someone's going to bring out a chai powder in the supermarket that I can buy that's not going to be sugar jacked but I'm constantly disappointed and still just have (laughs) loose leaf chai in my cupboard tea however um the like just to think of the ingredients that go into like a chai a powdered chai latte and you pick up the thing and you flick it around and ideally what you want to see is a nice combination of like the cardamom the star anise um, the clove. What else goes? Cinnamon. What else goes into chai, Jess? Sometimes, You're the chai girl. Sometimes star anise, star ginger anise. can ginger. be in there as well. You said cardamom, yep. yeah? Cardamom, cinnamon. Yep. Star um, anise, clove. Yep. Clove? No. Yeah, cloves. Yeah, cloves, cloves. yeah. Yep. I love star anise so, in there, but it's not always. Yeah. There, oh, know. isn't it? Yeah, I always think of a star anise mm. being in there for sure. Um, anyway, so when you look, when you flip o- flip over these ingredients lists, like what you typically would see in a chai powder is the first, and it'll say healthy or you know like healthy um, yeah. all natural chai. And yes, because they're just not using white caster sugar, they seem to be able to get away with some label, some clever labelling. But you flick it around, and sure enough, like the first ingredient is usually coconut sugar or rapadura sugar or something mm-hmm. like that. And then as Jess is saying, in descending order, then, you know, these ground spices and maybe a little bit of something, another different type of sweetener or something else like that. So that's gives you a pretty good indicator. And we'll get to the nutritional panel second that, you know, the majority of what makes up that is sugar. Absolutely. And that's where it's important also when we start talking about the panels where it comes into context of how much you use of a product because yes like i'll I'll always double it up yeah Yeah. exactly but also you know how much say you're talking about the chai is a good example like if there is sugar is the first ingredient um for the average person versus someone we might be working with with gut issues it may come down to being able to then look at the nutritional panel and understand how much sugar is going to end up in your chai. In your chai. Is that really a massive concern for Joe versus Jill? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then comparatively, a different chai 
would be, could be listed like this and it could be like um, all of the herbs we mentioned, like the ground herbs, and then the last ingredients mm-hmm. is stevia or yes. stevia powder or something like that. So then you kind of know, and we all know that stevia is way sweeter than natural sugar, but then you, if you were dying to try a chai, personally, I hate the taste of stevia, so I wouldn't buy it anyway. But, <laughs> but if you were dying to try a chai and you had one that started with, you know, uh, even a coconut sugar and then listed all the spices going down and descending order versus one that started with all of the spices and then the last ingredient was stevia or erythritol how do you say that other one erythritol erythritol i was saying erythritol and i know that's not right (laughs) no i think that's the other one that might have been in there and then so obviously like if you're someone who really wants to try chai and you know that you don't want a big sugar hit you're going to go for the one that's obviously got the stevia in it because it's the last ingredient that's not overloaded with sugar but then exactly what jess said like then depending on how you feel about stevia versus coconut sugar and what you prefer, you then you go and look at your nutritional panel and see how much sugar per serve you'd actually be getting and how bad is that. Exactly. So let's move on to the nutritional panels. Do you want to give just an overview to start yeah. of what a nutri- nutritional panel is? So your nutritional panel team, (laughs) it's literally when you flick an ingredient around and you have a look at that box on the back and it usually says nutritional panel or something like that or nutritional information or something like that. And it usually lists in order. Um, It usually starts with your um, your energy or your killer calories or your kilojoules. It usually has that up there first and it will have, and it's usually split into two boxes. So you've got two reference ranges and usually it is per serve and then per hundred grams or hundred whatever. So coming down the label you normally see the the um the calories or the kilojoules that is in that first per serve and per 100 grams and then you'll do is it is it protein first it normally goes i think it goes proteins fats and then carbohydrates we should have looked this up i don't know if it has a an an order all the time i always feel like proteins at the top fat first but oh, does it? I don't. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't listen to us because we're not the experts. Either way. Good question. Which one? It I definitely goes. feel I like proteins. Moved, are... I don't yeah, know. Anyway. I thought it moved around a bit. I thought it, but I'm. I actually. Now we'll be know. looking at this meticulously <laughs> as well. Anyway, what either we'll, way. The... What we'll do, sorry to interrupt, but what we'll do when we post this on socials is I'll actually include some images of yeah, nutritional so panels that's a good idea so we'll see if we can find a few to see whether we're seeing that exactly that that same template yeah. every time or whether it changes yeah. around so well let's so we'll just say in the top three you usually have your your fats proteins fats and carbohydrates so your three macros everyone should know who listens to us what those are by now and then um under carbohydrates it, depending on the type of food sometimes they will break down the fat a little bit more in the nutritional panel um it really depends on what kind of food you're actually buying whether or not that happens but typically what happens on every nutritional panel is they will break down carbohydrates into carbohydrates total and then the amount of that total that is actually sugar mm. so that's always really useful to look at and we'll talk come back to that in just a second and then underneath that again depending on the food product they will usually put a fiber in there sometimes as well um um, sodium is usually listed again, depending on the food product. Um, and then if it's fortified with anything or if it's boasting some other type of nutritional benefit, that will normally be listed as well. So if it's fortified with iron, it'll give you how many, iron, how much, how many grams of iron you're getting per 
serve um, and then what that equates to as an RDI usually underneath, um, what part of your recommended daily intake that equates to usually in a little subsection underneath. Um, if it's got, if it's a food that boasts a lot of calcium or it has been calcium fortified, it will usually have how much calcium you're getting per serve and then per 100 grams or 250 mils, whatever it may be. Yeah, so that's what your nutritional panel typically is. So you won't find every single nutrient that's in that food at all. But it's more if it boasts any sort of nutritional property, it will specifically list that. Um, or and then obviously it covers your macros. That's and so true as far as like I like the the use of the word boast. Like it's very like there's that sort of um, mm. macro breakdown that they have to have. But absolutely, it'll also be an area where a product will will use that um, that that space to talk about. Okay, we're like packing a punch of your calcium, or we're yeah. packing a punch of your iron. Like they'll definitely list that, but they have to have that macro breakdown. And as you said, there's there's like usually it will be in columns. So you'll have your as you said, you've got your your RDI percentage split, but then you'll have your amount in grams per the serving size and it'll yeah. say at the top say it's a protein powder it might say serving size mm-hmm. 30 grams so that yeah. first column will relate to that serving size whereas that might be say it was a cereal it might say the serving size was 30 grams, 30 grams. so it'll equate to that but the i find them well not they're both important but the one for comparison when you're comparing products you want to try to look at is the 100 gram because that's going to give you a good idea of that 100 grams of a product compared to the next product. Because if you, yeah. again, using the cereal, if one cereal serving size is 30 grams and the other one is, say, 45 grams and you're comparing the serving sizes, that's obviously going to be different because they're literally different amounts. But if you compare them by the 100 gram, mm. you can get an idea of which one has a higher amount or lower amount of certain areas so I just feel Mm. like that's one little sort of differentiation to make between serving sizes versus the 100 grams and why the 100 gram area is quite valuable to look at yeah definitely and I think um definitely if you're buying products like obviously to be honest I I personally don't look at the fat panel a lot because I'm not buying foods that are jacked with shitty fats um, so, but I definitely am looking at the carbohydrate V sugar panel, depending on what I'm buying. And I'm definitely looking at the protein panel again, depending on what I'm buying. So the thing that you want to pay attention to when it comes to the carbohydrates and sugars section is a, what you're buying, yeah. but the portion of it, like, let's just use again, cereal is probably a really good one. Um, because obviously cereal, if it's made on like, um, some whole grains, so let's just say it's got some puffed rice in there or some rice flakes and maybe some quinoa flakes and um, it might have some oats in there depending on what your, your food tolerances are and things like that but then it's got some dried fruit added to it and you know or it's a granola like when you're talking about carbohydrates like the total amount of carbohydrates per serve is is very important um, but the other thing that is important is looking at how much sugar is the is the component of that carbohydrate is it crackling or are you typing can you hear me typing? Yeah, I can. Oh. <laughs> That's why I moved my little thing. I was like, is that me? No, oh, that looks right. <laughs> Sorry, team. <laughs> yeah, so, so 
let's just use cereals because I think cereals are a really good one because obviously protein matters, carbohydrates matter, and sugar matters when you're buying a cereal. So let's just say ballpark, you've got something that per serve is, or per, per 100 grams is 70 grams of carbohydrates. I don't even know if this is relevant because I never buy fucking cereal. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say ballpark, 70 grams out of 100 grams is carbohydrates. But then underneath that, 52 grams of that is sugar, okay? That is a high sugar cereal. So what you're actually looking at is a, if you're buying something that is a carbohydrate, more a, a carbohydrate dense product or a product that definitely has an element of complex carbohydrate to it, you wanna know how much of that is actually a part of the actual grain and the fiber and all of that. And then how much of that is sugar that's been added somewhere along the line. Is that how you kind of break them down? Because that's what I always sort of teach people to do. Because like, if you're looking at cereal, and it's, you know, it's, I don't know, 30 grams of carbohydrate, but there's 17 grams of sugar. Like you're getting essentially three point something grams, teaspoons of sugar just in one serve. So you want to be really careful. You want your sugars low, but your carbohydrates, if it's a carbohydrate dense food to be good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have I explained that well enough? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you think with a cereal, like they, by the time they add dry fruit, sometimes yes. they'll put maple over things and and sweeten in all these ways. So you're not actually getting these beautiful complex carbohydrates. Sometimes you might get a small element of complex carbohydrate and I just throw in some puffed rice into it and the rest of it is dried fruit and honey or maple or something like that. So there's not, it's not saying that there's stuff wrong with those foods, but when the dominant carbohydrate portion of that is simple sugar and you want something that's going to sustain energy, that's not what you want to be going for. You want something that's lower on the actual sugar in grams, but higher in the carbohydrates and hydrate in grams. And the bigger the difference, differentiation between those two the better it's going to be yeah absolutely i was just seeing if i could find some products actually give oh, our listeners as an example <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah absolutely that that looking at that sugar portion um and looking at where that's sitting in comparison with the serve of that purely that sugar in the carbohydrates is really valuable when you're realistically mm. looking at i would say the majority of like packaged or processed foods people are buying unless it's a protein product like say some tin fish or you know those those sorts of things come to mind first but most of the people I think are buying products that will be listening to the JCM podcast are probably thinking mueslis, granolas, bars, balls um, you know those sort of like you know quotation marks those sort of whole food products that they might find in a health food store in the aisle at the supermarket and wanting to know how to compare them um there's i was trying to find two that were really different and i've bought up two really popular ones and they're bloody exactly pretty much the same but to give context to carmen's muesli versus sultana brand (laughs) that's a good one well i bought up i've got carmen's gluten-free versus yeah. brook farms gluten-free they're actually oh quite they'd be similar. pretty similar yeah um, i've looked at them before what for about people. food for health gluten-free um do you know their clusters food for health gluten-free. Have you heard of, are there they're another one that you can get in the supermarket no are they like a, a piss t- like a healthy piss take of the crunchy nut clusters <laughs> <Healthy piss> <laughs> I love the healthy piss takes. There's so much healthy shit on the market. This is where I think we should talk about like just sometimes food in the health food aisle and just because it's gluten-free, reading nutritional labels again becomes so important because there's so much shit, piss-taking healthy shit out there. Or what's the 
um, there's one by what it's it's that Food for Health brand is actually really popular, and they do this one called the Liver Cleansing Muesli. Do you know that oh, one? It's been no. around forever, I'm and it's so a real bloody good one. behind. But, you know, I basically hardly ever walk down the health food store of a supermarket if I'm in there. Probably because I'm doubt getting get my stuff from Source or, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just anyway, no, continue. It's, I'll it's just pretty, go on my rampage. Yeah. So, for <laughs> it's good stuff there, guys. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> but again, you got to know how to find it. You got to so know how to find what it. What I want to compare is Carmen's um, gluten free, which is a really common one people will buy, versus. The Food for Health Liver Cleansing Muesli, which is an oldie that's been around forever. Um, Interesting. So, Carmen's gluten free um, per serve, so 35 grams, which is what we're talking mm-hmm. about, is 20 grams of carbs and it's yep. 7.1 grams of sugar. That's okay. That. So, that's not too bad. That's, so, it's about not too bad. a teaspoon and a half amount. Yeah. Um, yep. Fiber, 1.9 grams. And how much protein? protein we've Just to got give people. 3.2 grams yeah so can we just even just look at that team where we talk about um team everyone listening like where we're talking about just the amount of protein people need to be getting with their breakfast and if you haven't listened to our last couple of podcasts on training and health and macros and all of that go back and listen to those because even though carmen's produce a bloody good cereal that you know even some and you add some nuts and seeds to it you're, you're not going to be getting adequate protein just from that alone mm-hmm. so always if, if you're looking at breakfast stuff like knowing how much protein you're getting in in your foods is important but anyway but let's talk about carbs first carbs so keep that in mind and then we'll talk we'll actually come back this would be interesting as far as ingredients to look at what makes this up so for the carmens but then if we compare that to the liver cleansing muesli so the serving size is actually 45 grams. So see how straight away more. that can get a little bit confusing. So we're talking, yeah, 10 grams more. So within the serving size, the sugars are actually only seven, sorry, 0.7 grams. So wow. super duper low. Our carbs are 17.5 and our protein is 9.2 grams. It's a pretty damn good little cereal so far based on the nutrition panel, but have we even the ingredients <laughs> list yet? <laughs> However, so we had four, we had that difference of serving sizes there. So if you were looking at these two products, you're like, well, one's 10 grams more. Like, how do I know? If you look at the 100 grams of the Carmen's, mm. just with the sugar alone, 100 grams is 20.3 grams of sugar and the liver cleansing muesli per 100 grams of, is 1.6 grams. Like yeah, that's right. pretty phenomenal difference. And that's well, where you can really mm, see. That's mega. And the protein is 20.4 grams in 100 liver. grams in the liver cleansing. And it's 9.1 in the Carmen's. So far, that liver cleanse seems far superior when we're talking about the difference in macros and what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. So it's really fascinating just seeing that. I do have, we'll talk um, ingredients because that's obviously important um, with the context of this. The liver cleansing one, I have to say, is not gluten-free. Um, okay. It's wheat-free, so it does have oats as a base, um, just as a, a caveat FYI. for this. So when we look at the Carmen's with the ingredients list, the first things listed are fruits. So 25%, yeah, and this is what we're talking about, we have to list first, and they're telling us that 25% of this cereal 
is fruit, which is sultanas, raisins, um, and dates. Then we go on to rice flakes next. So we know dried fruit, the biggest amount, rice flakes second, rice flakes. <laughs> the, the other thing, when you look at a nutritional um, ingredient, like, sorry, the ingredients list, if you have an ingredient that has ingredients within it, it will mm. have then after the product a bracket and it will include the things in that. So rice flakes in this one has a bracket, which includes rice flour, fructose, salt, and emulsifier 471, which we'll get to talking about those. So when mm. you see brackets within an ingredients list. They're just breaking down the yeah. ingredient for you. So they want, and even with the dried fruit in this, it says fruit 25%, but the sultanas have sultanas and vegetable oil. So it tells you, they have to tell you what is in everything. Um, then we have seeds, 20% seeds, sunflower, pumpkin seeds. We've got puffed rice, rice bran, golden syrup. So we have a sweetener again, but see how far down the list it is by this point. Sunflower oil, 3% nuts. Um, we've got psyllium husk, natural flavors, and cinnamon, vitamin E. So that's our list, mm. which is really interesting. Well, we think it's interesting. Maybe it's interesting. <laughs> I'm hoping you do. That it shows us how those higher first products are actually more of our um, like simple sugars with the fruits. And remembering this is only 7.5, 7.1 grams per serve of sugar. It's not a bad product, but it just shows you the context of how that sugar is made up. And I think it's probably interesting to note here for people that are kind of new to this space, that based on that ingredients list and the sugar content per serve, that you're not going to automatically go and blame the golden syrup for that sugar yes. per serve. You're going to blame the fruit. Well, not blame. I shouldn't even use the word blame, but like, not <laughs> your the right fault. word. Fruit. Yeah, false fruit. <laughs> we love our fruit. However, the bulk of that 7.5 grams is going to be the dried fruit. And then uh, probably small percentage of that 7.5 grams of sugar per serve in the carmens is going to be the golden syrup at the end. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this is where looking at your sugar per serve is important, but then also looking at the ingredients list, the carbohydrates and the sugar in the nutritional panel, how, how much they differ from each other and what that looks like. And then looking at the ingredients list to see what that sugar is made up of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So read out the liver one. I'm keen to hear. Liver. liver. So ingredients in the liver. Our first ingredient is whole rolled oats. Sold. So straight away, the first ingredient is a complex fibrous carbohydrate. Can I just ask, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. What's the difference in the different, what's the difference between the fiber and the two? So fiber in Carmen's the... Carmen's was 1.7 grams. Uh, let me just find it again. So, so in the food, blah, 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 diet, 6.9 grams in the serve in the li- for the liver cleansing muesli. And Carmen's is 1.7 in 35 grams. So probably maybe just over two grams in 45, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe closer to three grams. Yeah. So far, this liver one is just like, wow. Yep. I've never even heard of it. She's old school, mate. She was around She's when I first school, started. Mate. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> gray hairs at the side this one (laughs) so oats first then sunflower seeds pumpkin seeds almonds linseeds barley bran psyllium puffed millet and slippery elm that's it that's the 
fucking beautiful breakfast cereal. That's like something you would make yourself at home. Yeah. Now, some of you might think that sounds like bird food, but (laughs) it's an (laughs) example of like that's all just whole grain carbohydrates with our oats and our bit of bran, bit of psyllium, millet. Everything else is nuts and seeds. And that is why the sugar content is so low. But as Carissa was saying, when you serve this up, you're most likely going to put your fresh fruit on top, Mm. which is going to add more as far as that natural sugars. And in keeping that in mind, like that's where the sugars will go up in a really beautiful, natural way, as opposed to the sugars that would add up on top of the other cereal, the Carmen's. Again, the Carmen's isn't diabolical, but... Just no, no Carmen's isn't diabolical, but Carmen's is probably the more the healthier the healthiest end of mainstream supermarket cereals. If you're not diving into the health food section of the supermarket and pulling apart nutrition labels like yep. we do, so can I just ask as well? Because I'm just curious, because obviously this matters as well sometimes with some of our clients. What is the difference in calories per serve so, between the two? Nice, nice question. So, the no, cal- thank you, Jess. I'm all about information. <laughs> The calories per serve, do you want the 100 gram calorie? Or Let's do the 100 serve? grams, yeah. So that 100 Let's gram do... calories for the Carmen's is 435 calories. Yep, not uh, kilojoules, calories. No, calories. Yeah, you, yep. did you do that maths in your head just then? No, it says both, man. Far oh, out. fuck, no that's awesome. I, I thought you both. just did that from kilojoules and just did that to calories in your, do, on your, in your head. I'm like, you, fuck, you're good. Do you know who I am? Yeah, <laughs> that's why I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're like me, man. We can't do that math. Do you have a calculator out? What's going on here? No way. It's got both. So 435 calories. I hope the liver cleanse has got that as well. They usually have both. And 100 grams for uh, the food for health one, liver cleansing, is 430 calories. Cool. So they're pretty much ballpark on par when you think about it per serve, which I think is always interesting, but it brings you back to not all calories being created equal. You've got two cereals that almost calorie for calorie are the same. Like if you were just literally counting calories and not giving a shit about what you're eating, and again, not saying Carmen's is bad, but the food for health one, you're going to get more fiber, more protein, and more complex carbohydrate with less sugar. So obviously have a much better metabolic fucking, you know, input and response from that as opposed to the Carmen's one calorie for calorie that is the same, but you're going to get more, well, not processed sugar, but more refined sugar, Mm -hmm. less protein, less fiber. So, yeah, that's a really good point to point those out. And where that extra calories um, is is coming from with the liver cleansing when we talked ingredients there's a lot more nuts and seeds nuts and seeds so, so if fat you, obviously is yeah more calorie and dense. you can see that the fat is higher than the um fat in the carmens but not not a huge amount um, and they're good fats let's point out that it's it's coming from seeds yeah so it's yeah. not coming from you know like again not ditching the carmens one because i, I actually quite like carmens as an easy go-to brand for people but there's really the fat coming through in the Carmen's one is literally coming from a sunflower oil yeah. um, and a bit of vegetable oil from the sultanas. And a little bit of seeds, but not much. And a little bit of seeds, And it's not yes. much, guys. Like the fat in the 100 grams for the Carmen's is 17 grams for, um, you know, roughly overall. And the liver cleansing is 20. So, you know, it's not a lot. In, in the difference did you want to know about sultana brand or should we just move on yeah, let's bring up sultana brand or something like nutrigrain come on let's just bag the <laughs> shit out of one of the old faves so, so <laughs> i used to love nutrigrain when i was a kid oh, oh my god damn it it doesn't convert over to calories 
I can work it out. Okay, yeah. while I'm telling our listeners, so calories per 100 grams is 1,450. Hey, two sex, two sex, where's my calculator? <laughs> so what was it? 1,450. 450. Whoops. So five, five. it's about 4.2. So it's 345 calories per serve. So it's about the Yeah. Well, so it's a little bit like, less. So you could look at yeah. this if you were just thinking calories like, and you'd yeah. be like, sweet. Sultana brand is Sultana brand. brand. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just like, great. It's like lower calorie than the Carmen's or that liver cleansing. Beautiful. I'm absolutely going to buy that. Cool. So How many carbs? What we have here per our serving size is 45 grams, so it's the same cool. amount as the liver cleansing. This is probably a good one to compare it to. Yeah, so let's do it. <laughs> I feel like we're really like frothing with excitement. So sickos, aren't we? <laughs> 28.3 grams of carbohydrates. So just to remember the liver cleansing um, per 100 gram. Oh, sorry, per. 45 grams was 17.5 so yeah. we've got a little quite a bit more um at that serving size of up to 28 but as carissa pointed out to start with what you want to look at is the sugar content of that so just to remember that the sugar in the liver cleansing was 0.7 grams in the sultana brand we Drum have roll. 13 grams of sugar. Jesus. So that is an amazing comparison. As and what was Carmen's again, just out of curiosity? Because then we can break it down to the new So Carmen's was seven. Yeah, so okay. It's like so it's it's double, double the Yeah. Good old Sultana brand. Got bet that's got the bloody heart tick, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but that's got the heart foundation tick of approval. <laughs> A load of shit that is. Let's get going. The protein is four point three grams. The liver cleansing was six point eight, and Carmen's Carmen's was three point two. But remember, it was thirty five grams, so it's probably yep. on par um, with the Nutrigrain. Um, Sultan brand. Sorry, yeah, Nutrigrain. <laughs> 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 now, if we look at the ingredients, our f- oh. First ingredient in Sultana brand is whole wheat. So we don't have fruit first here. The second ingredient is Sultanas. Surprise, surprise. Then we have wheat bran. Then we have sugar as our fourth ingredient. Then we have barley malt extract. Then we have salt, minerals that are added, um, vitamins that are added. And so it's it. definitely a fortified cereal. It's fortified. And you'll see that, guys, when you look at nutritional information, which we'll put in the socials. Oh, there goes extra work. Um, yeah, I'm just like, I love it. I never dob you in for this shit. I'm like, <laughs> you're always like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, it's on you, mate. <laughs> but you'll see that Sultana brand really will add this extra information in with all of their extra RDIs as far as hitting their B vitamins, the iron amounts, the magnesium. So they're adding a lot of vitamins and minerals in. Um, which is, you know, okay. There's nothing majorly wrong with that. But if we looked at those other products, you would be getting a lot of those vitamins and minerals just naturally from the ingredients that are in there. But this way it can help them probably control the cost of the product and also probably, to be honest, the fat content, which is very low because a lot of people old school will still look at that and be like, oh, it's low in fat and it keeps the calories down so they can sell it as you know, a a good heart tick product. But when we look at it, I mean, it's again, it's not 
diabolical. It's not diabolical, worse, to be honest. I thought it was high. The sugar's too high. Like I always say that if you're looking at a cereal, I always say to people like the most sugar you want per serve is probably seven to eight grams is what I say to people. And that's the most. If you can keep it under that per serve, because you've got to think most people are going to add a bit of honey and like you said, top it with a bit of fruit. And, you know, I always try and get people to buy fruit-free muesli. Like I'm like, don't buy the stuff with the fruit in it. Add your fruit yourself because the concentrated fruits like the dates and the sultanas and, you know, the dried little bits of apricot and cranberry and whatever else they chuck in there, like it's concentrated sugar sources. Whereas if you were to put half a mango cheek on top of something or half a banana and a couple of berries like that's far more nutritionally beneficial has all of your you know like your antioxidants and your and your fiber and all of that still intact as anyway that's a another another conversation probably (laughs) anyway so yeah so an interesting so that's some really good comparisons um then when we're talking nutritional panels, what we've done there is we've gone through and looked at the comparison between the panels versus the ingredients and, and how you can look at both for that information. But the other thing we talked about going through that was things like numbers. Um, and that brings up a lot of questions always about mm. added sulfites or um, thickening agents, nitrates, even MSG which you will see again they have to be listed ingredients lists and how we i guess we wanted to have a conversation about recognizing them um and what we need to be concerned about versus not too stressed about and where that matters to the individual so i mean there's a fair bit in that just alone Mm. but i guess first if we were to talk about the sulfites because they have come up in these um, examples like we talked with the carmens for instance um, with those dried fruits that are added actually mm. that's a lie they're not in there but you often they are they <laughs> so often they pretend. are they often it will say like sultanas um, and it will list that there'll be like a sulfite that has been added as a preservative but yeah do you want to yeah. speak to that yeah so it's probably just understanding how you or having a look into how you feel about sulfites Um, and whether or not they actually are an issue for you. So for some people, sulfites in small amounts are not an issue at all whatsoever. So sulfites typically are a, I suppose, again, it's usually an antifungal preservative is probably the best way to explain it. Would you agree? Like yeah, most of the time, I yeah. About it like that, but yeah, yeah. It totally makes essentially, sense. essentially, it's what it is. It's it's so it's you know they spray sulfur di I think it's sulfur dioxide or whatever onto grapes. Like so, when you get freshly packed grapes, like mm-hmm. you know a lot of the times they're one of the most they're really sprayed onto it just because grapes are obviously got these beautiful you know um, thin skins and they're obviously a wet product per se in the way that they're packaged and they're packaged into boxes and they're kept in cold rooms so they have a lot of condensation. So. To stop grapes growing mold, they spray sulfur dioxide and they use it a lot in things like dried fruits and stuff like that that has to be packaged and transported and obviously has that potential in certain types of humidities or temp temp conditions to grow mold. Sulfur dioxide is actually an antifungicide. So I think that's right. We probably should Google that. That's just my understanding of it. Um, (laughs) But just from working, like, yeah, just from working. But the thing is, and it's obviously in a lot lot of wines and stuff like that because, again, when they're, you know – transporting and doing what they do with grapes they don't want them to grow mold because obviously they then have to be squished and and barreled and done all of that kind of stuff and turned into wine so sulfur dioxide is something that is very very commercially used Mm. um where it becomes problematic for people is that 
a lot of people and especially a lot of um, more allergy-like people will have issues with sulfites and sulfur dioxide as a, as a preservative. Um, I personally am one of those people. Um, that's how come I think I know a little bit about it. Um, but it just and it just really depends on how that reacts for you. So for some people, it does cause really intense gastrointestinal issues. And I think sometimes the classic of that is just even talking about dried apricots and organic versus non-organic, where non-organic usually will have sulfur dioxide or sulfites on them. I think sulfites and sulfur dioxide can be used interchangeably. So correct if anyone wants to correct me on this, they can. But anyway. Um, so I have had people who are like, I can't eat dried apricots. I get so it's such intense gut cramps off them. I just definitely apricots don't agree with me. And I'm like, okay, well, what type of apricots are you having? They're dried. They're just bought in the big cheap bags at the supermarkets or the fruit shop or something like that. I'm like, cool. Have you ever tried organic or sulfur, sulfur dioxide free dried fruit or apricots from like say source bulk foods? And they're like, no, I haven't. And a lot of times they have them and they're actually fine. So it's about the concentration into what it's used um, on foods, but typically what we see with you know things like sulfur dioxides is is gastrointestinal complaints, cramps, bloating. Just thinking of the name sulfur, like I'm sure you can think back to all the sulfur bacteria we've talked about and all of that. So obviously. That it is it is something by nature that has those compounds. Um, I well, think that's sort of slightly um, congestion as well, almost like allergies. Was, sort yeah, of I was going to say it's such a histamine yeah. thing. I can tell with wine straight up, especially red wine, like because I don't really drink any other wine. But if I drink red wine and it is sulfur dioxide to the max. I will get hives straight away. Mm. Like I get red blotches on my neck. One of my ears will start to burn like just bright red. And it's just that my heart can get a bit racy. I get, I sometimes can even get really glazed behind the eyes. And it's a sim, I have a very similar reaction to MSG. So yeah, so it's just kind of thinking of that, that as a preservative and whether or not you need to be worried about it. And if you are, how much does it affect you and how much do you need to look at it? So it does preservative number wise, if it's not listed, the preservative number, I think is 220 and 221. It might be a bit broader than that now, depending on its chemical breakdown. So it's the same with like MSG, for example, is usually anything from 6233 to 625 or something like that, or 651. Like there's a whole, there's a big range of the different compounds of these that can be used so and i think if you if you think you have issues with these um and all those symptoms that chris is just listing um it's really smart to get familiar with the numbers um like you there's so many resources online there's a little cool handbook that's been around forever i think it's called the chemical maze The chemical maze (laughs) so if you're worried like if you think there's an issue just just find out what those numbers are because to go back to the nutritional info some people will write it but others will just put it as a number because they may not want to put the name and they know that people might be funny if they see the name and that's why numbers appear but then it's it's kind of an irony because a lot of people as soon as i start seeing numbers they're like oh i'm not buying that it's full of numbers and it's often those numbers are fine and I guess even the to the Carmens as an example of that, like it did have listed an emulsifier for seven one, um, which to be honest, I think might be like a gut like a guar gum or something like that. I'll have to look it up as we're we going through. It. But you know, people will see that and go, Oh, not buying it. But a lot of these some of these additives are, 100% are fine. Like they're just food products. It's they're just how they're for- listed. 
Um, ascorbic acid is probably a really yes, common that's one. Another one. Yeah, like, and it's you know it'll just say sometimes um, preserved of is it three hundred or three hundred five or whatever it is. And I've seen people go, I can't have that because it's got a preservative in. I'm like, it's literally vitamin C. It's literally ascorbic acid. <laughs> exactly. Don't even worry about it. So understanding your numbers is really good. I think I. I'll touch on MSG because I do because I deal with so many histamine people. It is something I talk a lot about with my clients. And just sometimes when people think they've got their histamines or we think they've got their histamine stuff under control and all of a sudden they have something or they have a flare and they don't know why. And quite often I find MSG to be a culprit. MSG is a mm. tricky little bugger and it is used. It's a flavor enhancer. It is used in fucking so many things. Yeah. Um, and it's its full chemical name is monosodium glutamate, I yep. think. Monosodium yep. SG, yeah. Monosodium glutamate. However, a lot of the times it's not listed as that. So it'll say flavor enhancer 627 yes. or flavor enhancer 625. Um, and it obviously, and even in its variations, it has more numbers than that. But understanding that is really important because if you're sensitive to MSG, the same way like you can be sensitive to sulfur dioxide, the, the impacts of it if you're a histamine person can be pretty far reaching. Like I know for me, if I get dosed with MSG in Asian food, for example, like I know my restaurants that don't add it, but sometimes I'll get tired from a different place and it will just floor me. Yeah. Like I wake up in the middle of the night, so thirsty, it's ridiculous. But the next day, like quite often I'll get hivey rashes again. Like or I'll, I'll feel a bit racy in the heart or something like that. Cause I'm, quite, I'm pretty sensitive to it in large amounts, but it's how I feel the next day. Like sulfur dioxide, I'll get over pretty quickly. It's a rise and fall reaction for me um msg is almost like a 24-hour reaction where then i'll wake up the next day my eyes are puffy like underneath my eyes are so puffy i feel like i'm i've got a sinus attack like i'm congested i'm all of that kind of stuff and i just feel a bit just not sharp and clear thought process wise so gastrointestinal msg doesn't really impact me too often um however it's just more that whole histamine bring up and just this crazy thirst but it's not just Asian food and Asian sources that people need to be careful of. Like MSG is, it's on, um, it's on a lot of your corn chips. It's on a lot of your rice crackers. It's added to um, our beautiful Kewpie Jap mayo that we're all addicted to. <laughs> so true. It's it's packed in that. It's um it's is chemically designed to trigger the receptors in your brain that make it unable for you to stop eating food like it is it is engineered to trigger um just insatiable receptors in your brain so that you just want to just keep eating like it is a it is a chemical designed for that it is so tricky but it is hence it's a flavor enhancer but it's it's in your chicken salt you get chicken salts on chicken salt on your hot chips when you order them you're having a big dose of msg doing that so it's again it's like the sulfites it's and sulfur dioxides and all that it's understanding how much of it impacts you um, and how worried you want to be about it. So, mm. again, yeah. like you said, it's understanding how it impacts you as an individual. Um, it's probably yeah. one that uh, I would prefer people not to have a load of, but it's probably Same. also because the food that it is also in is usually a lot of processed and packaged food, right? Like you're not going to be finding yeah. if someone's well, eating a lot of MSG or like Chris putting yeah. a hand up for something. I've got a couple of stories that which will actually blow people's minds. So, MSG, I have one of my sister's best friends, Beck, who we've known since we were kids. She is an MSG addict. She bloody loves it. We have jokes. Like if we go out to restaurants together, she brings a bag of MSG with her. It basically looks like she's carrying around a bag of crack. It's (laughs) fucking hilarious. And she'll add it to her food when we're eating. Like she has a running joke. She'll buy it by the, she buys it by the kilo. Anyway, 
But coming back to the sulfur dioxide or sulfites and things like that added as an antifungicide, we, when I used to work in fruit shops, when you open up a box of packaged up grapes from the farm, so obviously they get packaged up, they actually get packaged with a, an absorbent pad, um, which obviously takes a lot of the um, moisture, it holds a lot of the moisture and stuff, but it actually comes before you unfold the plastic that the grapes are wrapped up in. There is a massive warning sign on every single grape box that if you are sensitive to sulfur dioxide, you can't be the first person to open that box wow. because what actually comes out of it from just the contaminant in the air is so triggering from a respiratory point of view for people that are sensitive to sulfur dioxide that you need to know that if you're working in that food, food-based industry and food transportation industry. So that's a big, that's an interesting thing for just saying, do I need to avoid it? Because because if it comes with a warning like that <laughs> straight up in your general fruit and veggie department, then that's one thing. Christmas last year, um, Lex will vouch for this because we all saw this. Um, we had a bunch of grapes and they were just store-bought. I can't remember who bought them. It might have been Lex and Drew that bought them. Maybe I bought them. Anyway, they weren't organic, weren't spray-free, nothing. And we had them sitting out on the table and they were quite heavily sprayed. We could see it uh-huh. sort of a thing. But the flies were landing on them and fucking dying. Like we had eight people... <laughs> Eight people that will vouch for this because we're just we, it became a bit of a thing where we just watch these flies land on the grapes because we hadn't washed them we just put everything out on the table and normally like we wash our food and stuff but you know just Christmas getting busy just going let's put these here and put those there and anyway and then we broke it down to because first we started seeing all these flies just dying on the table and we're like what's going on here and then we realized it was every time something they landed on the grapes they'd start to get a bit woozy and then they just lie on the table and die so, <laughs> and this is not me exaggerating even mixed still brings this story up to the day he's like do you remember those flies (laughs) and Lex and I sitting there this is why you buy organic guys (laughs) but just to give you an idea like it it can be potentially harm like it can be harmless so so they say but you know like I think you know we've got to be aware of some of these chemicals and pesticides and fungicides and stuff that they're, they're spraying on our foods and it is a good reminder that if you're not buying organic and that's so fine but really take the time to wash or if there's certain things like you know your grapes and your strawberries and your berries that you can buy organic and then your thicker skinned things like bananas not like there's there's good trade-offs there where you can work in with that space and try and avoid some of these um pesticides and fungicides where you can because <laughs> you don't want to end up like the flies <laughs> And then uh, I am just to go back to the MSG again. If you're looking at those lists in the ingredients, it can be tricky because it can be listed by its name or it can have the numbers. So it's really yeah. good to understand what you're looking for for the MSG itself because people are going to do their best they can to try and hide, hide that it. it is MSG. So again, get familiar with that sort of 621's a biggie, but like that sort of 621, 622, like that, that whole area, if you think that um, you're buying products that are questionable around that or you're eating out. Often when you're eating out, China, we're deviating there, but you can ask restaurants whether they use it and um, I definitely, hopefully they'll be truthful with you. Sometimes it, I've found too, like I've been having a lot of these chats with my clients too, I think sometimes they are truthful, but I think sometimes they don't understand how to look themselves. Agreed. So if you are someone who super, is super sensitive to MSG and you're going out to you know a beautiful Thai restaurant or you know a Chinese restaurant and there is a bit of a language 
language barrier sometimes too, where you just ask someone, you're like, is this MSG free? And they say that it is. They might not be aware that 627 is MSG. Mm. So if you are someone who's super sensitive, and I have had a few clients that have been caught out with this, where it actually triggers an actual allergy response, mm-hmm. sometimes you are better off to really um, make friends with your restaurant people. And so you can know, or if you find, you know, and ask, you can look at the labels and stuff like that with them and just make sure. Because sometimes yeah. I think it's not even um, people not telling the truth it's sometimes they genuinely don't know it at this level because you know the food companies are smart they want to hide shit the other one's nitrates that is often or i feel like always listed most of the time by its numbers because people have been a bit more savvy with nitrates i think there was a lot in the media around this when there was we talked about it before so i won't go into it about um like meats and meats leading to cancer and blah 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 as far as red meat consumption but but as far as processed meats go and nitrates people are getting more like savvy and understanding that eating a lot of nitrates is not beneficial for their health so they will be generally hidden or not so much hidden they're listed but they'll often be listed with that number which is 251 off the top of my head um so looking at probably anything like bacons or prosciuttos or preservatives um in in meats that's probably the first place but as chris was saying you'll be surprised sometimes when you're looking at 251 and 252 okay cool so it's sometimes (laughs) sometimes um it might be in like some chips or um, the sort of like more really heavily processed savoury foods because they give that really strong sort of savoury smoky flavour. So it's not unusual to see it pop up in those. Even in like seasoning mixes, it can be really common. Um, You'll be surprised where you'll see it. So get familiar with those numbers. Um, And even the ones we've talked about, like it's probably like the main three collectively if you just know those kind of three standout numbers when you're looking at nutritional information and um, the ingredients list that's going to be really helpful and if you want to know more get obviously a a little resource guide but I I feel like they're probably some of the sort of main Mm. ones that people are looking for or the main ones you'll see listed in ingredients list besides the last area that we're touching on today which is the thickening agents which, look, most of these, as we talked about back with the Carmen's muesli, aren't too problematic. They're going to be things like guar gums. Um, xanthan gums. Xanthan's a biggie, isn't it? Like, yeah. um, they're going to be some form of like a really small amount of like a simple more refined um, flour as such or starch that they will use to add in and create a thickness to a product. Um, There's most cases for the average person, absolutely not a problem. The area where this does become problematic and we have to deal with this a lot with clients at JCN is that depending on how much is in them, they, they are essentially more of a refined carbohydrate or more of a, um, a starch as such and they can be very triggering for very um, sensitive guts imbalanced guts so we we need to be trained at looking for those a little bit more and what they may mean an example i can think of straight up would be the 
whole realm of coconut yogurts, beautiful yogurts on the market for most people, but a lot of them will have those types of thickening agents added to them to get the thickness of the yogurt. Um, again, not a worry for most of those for the average person, but for someone with gut issues, we may be looking at those and whether they need to be considered. Um, can you think of any others as far as... I mean, the thickening agents is um, pretty yeah, diverse, but they're the main ones that you see in, like, that sort of health food yeah, I space. Yeah, I think the only other thing would be um, um, just... And, again, it, it depends on... It depends on the person and it depends on how you feel about it. I do know like a lot of the like vegetable oils and stuff that are sometimes added as thickeners, you know, a bit of definitely a bit of caution over those. Sometimes um, mm-hmm. I always read ingredients lists and I know we could go down total rabbit holes with all of this, but I'll just mention, mention a couple like just um, canola oil and vegetable oil as additives to things as opposed True. to olives oil, olive oils or good sunflower oils. Um, I don't personally have a massive issue with sunflower oil myself, like in, in things, if it's not the main, obviously ingredient, but like, I know if I'm buying a hummus, for example, and the second ingredient is canola oil, I'm probably going to avoid it. And likewise, if I'm buying a whole egg mayo and the second ingredient is, or the first ingredient besides eggs is, um, canola oil, I'm going to avoid it. Mm. Um, so sometimes it's just understanding what oils are added to things. Oils aren't oils. Um, and just, you know, how that plays out. But again, it, it you know, that's yeah, everyone is very different in that space as well because I think sometimes it can become stressful. Like I think because people hear oh, things and I think, say that. yeah, like it's, you know, we can sit here and we could sit here and pick absolutely everything apart. Like I think the almond milk or the nut milk space is probably a really <laughs> – typical one where you know I think people are trying to make better choices and then someone's like you shouldn't have that because it's got gelin in it or it's got it's got vegetable gum in it and that's going to give you cancer and you're going to die and they're like well I thought I was making a (laughs) you know well it's true like everyone's like like assholes everyone's fucking got one and it's like well you know sometimes just let let people just make a healthier decision like if they've got an issue with dairy and you know or if you're going to offer advice I think offer it in a way that's constructive like yeah look I personally don't buy that brand of almond milk because I don't really agree with the thickener in it um I don't know how you feel about that but I do buy this one and it doesn't have it and it's got a really good ingredients list maybe try that one and see if you like the flavor better rather than tell someone that the the decision they're making is totally crap and blah 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 so I think it's I think there's a lot of that that happens um and like yeah we could sit down and pick everything to pieces if we wanted to because that's how we roll but you know we don't actually um I think the other thing is just the gluten-free space um and obviously the health food space I spend a lot of time talking to my clients and I know you got you do as well and even just on social media like even um just some of the healthy gluten-free products are just a lot of starch and numbers and mm-hmm. things like that as well so again like they have their place if you're if you're busy and as a backup but you know ideally we still want to be looking for if you're switching to a gluten-free diet or you eat mostly gluten-free I'm just using this as an example like again just look at your ingredients list and if the first few ingredients are whole foods or whole grains like buckwheat or rice or sorghum or something like that then you, or whole oats and then you usually onto a bit of a winner but if the first ingredient is um just complete starch you know like you know sometimes you go okay cool I might use that bread but I'll keep that in the freezer as a backup Mm, and I'll go and find a gluten-free bread or make a 
make a gluten-free bread or something that's first few ingredients are actually coming from whole grain. So it's just getting a little bit savvy in that space oh, and just understanding great. that, you know, just sometimes because it's gluten-free doesn't necessarily mean it's healthier than a beautiful sourdough or a beautiful rye bread that's only got four ingredients. So I think it's, you know, understanding that space a little bit as well, but so, having yeah. someone help you navigate that can sometimes help too. So that's where we come in. Yeah. Look, that's so true. <laughs> it's a whole nother, whole nother area to that gluten-free space. Um, I think you're, you're right and it's really important for people listening to realise that with going through this area with additives and preservatives, we wanted to talk about some, even it's there's so much more, but just some of the majors. But when mm. you're buying packaged foods or processed foods, there's going to often be something that might end up being a bit of a payoff and it's just making the decision for you as an individual that really matter. Yeah. Like even with the oils, like it's very, very hard to buy foods that aren't using a cheaper type of oil because Agreed. of the cost. Even the better brands use the cheaper yeah, oils. it's super common. So, like, don't let it stress you out. The most important thing we want you to take mm. from today is understanding just how to read the basics, how to read the, um, the ingredients list and understand that, how to start looking at that panel and understanding serving sizes, like the basics of nutrition, and then starting to get a bit of an idea when you're seeing numbers pop up and you're unsure. Some of them might now be familiar with talking about some of them here, but if you're like, what is that? Get, get online, buy yourself a little chemical maze. If you, if you are that sort of person that you feel like needs to go that extra step and know, then just do a little bit of a look into that area. But don't also completely wig out yeah, <laughs> every don't. time you see a number as well because conversely, as we said, there is a lot of things that will be listed with numbers that might be just like a, a like vitamin C or a, a, yeah. a beetroot colouring or something like that so true um, so and yeah like yeah I was just gonna say like even as an example like just in terms of things that I don't even sweat it about like I'm addicted to obella hummus and they use canola oil and I just eat it because I love their hummus <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes I'll buy other brands and stuff but I have am addicted to the jalapeno obella hummus and I think I'm pretty sure they use canola oil maybe sunflower oil I can't remember but and you're not dead but, like the flies. And I'm not dead um, like the flies on the grapes. So, <laughs> honestly, we should have filmed that. That was just gold. That was just a crazy example. Um, also, love my Kewpie mayo. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not all the time, but once in a while I buy a thing yeah. and then I'm like, you're so good, MSG and that. Even though I'm sensitive to MSG, but I seem to be okay with that. So that's fine. Um, Let's wrap this up yeah. with some recommendations. Not that I think either of us probably given any pre-thought. Ooh. Kewpie mayo. <laughs> Kewpie Mayo, no. Are we talking about like our little segment at the end where yeah. we just... Yeah. I've actually got I've actually got two. So mm. I have found in my local fruit shop a um, range. It's called Nutty Bay, if anyone comes across it. Um, they do a chili tomato. Um, is it a jam or a relish? I can't remember because I've already finished it and it went so bloody quick, but it was really good. And so I think it, they're just... They're a company in New South Wales somewhere, I think. Yeah. I should have checked all this because I have I ran out of the jar a while ago, but I thought I must remember to talk about this on the podcast. So Nutty Bay, if you see any of their stuff around, it was it's bloody delish. And I'm having a bit of a thing with um, to adding to my smoothie at the moment, um, pumpkin seed protein. Like I add my normal protein Ooh. anyway, but just it's given my smoothie this extra depth of nuttiness because I'm not, I don't personally, I'm not a big add nut butter to your smoothie person. Yep. Like I don't, I don't, it's not really Not even thing. peanut butter? 
Oh, not really. Sometimes, but it just, I don't know. Like, yeah, I know you're like, oh, how do I even know you? (laughs) The look of disappointment on your face then said it all. (laughs) Like, Chuck, this is like banana and peanut butter smoothie. It's like the one thing I recommend to everyone. I'm like, you guys have it. Sometimes I do it, but sometimes I just, yeah, I don't know. I think because my smoothie's not my whole breakfast, if I add the nut butter, it just becomes too dense because I'm always having like either eggs, avo on toast, and then my smoothie's just my top up for extra protein, get my supplements in. So I think sometimes if I add the nut butter to it, just because it's too much digestively for me because I've usually had avocado and eggs or tuna or something like that. Anyway, side note. Um, but yeah, I've got this pumpkin seed protein at the moment that I've just been adding an extra tablespoon of to my smoothie and I'm loving it. What brand? That, um, keep it cleaner brand. I bought it the other day because I was out of protein. Yeah. And I was just in between. I was like, I looked again, looked at all the nutritional panels of the protein powders available in suit in just stock standard Woolies and was pretty disappointed with a lot of them. And then I picked up the girls brand of the keep it cleaner girls and had a look at that. I'm like, it's got erythrosol and a bit of stevia as the sweetener, but other yep. than that, it's pure just pumpkin seed protein and not much else. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah cost-wise, cool. it's not super cost-effective. You only get 15 grams of protein per actual serve, but I'm already adding no, that. I just add it for a tablespoon of it yeah. for extra flavor. But anyway, yeah, cool. they're my two things. What about you? Well, off the top of my head, I actually have two as well. One of them is sort of similar to yours. One is actually nothing to do with nutrition, but like we said, we can – recommend whatever we want because it's our podcast (laughs) because it's our podcast (laughs) i actually was a bit late to the show i think with this but we just finished watching last night made on netflix oh i haven't watched it my my sister has raved about it please watch it and just please like it is just amazing and pulls at all the heartstrings and is such important just piece of whether film i know it's a tv series but it's just so important to watch so that is just one. And number two. So interesting. Oh, God. Because Tan, Tan said it to me as well. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. So good. Um, and, yeah, number two, similar to you. I just found in the back of my cupboard some leftover well co protein powder. And I've been using the last scrapings lately in my pancakes and adding to my porridge because it's still a bit cold sometimes down here. And it's the chocolate one. And... Freaking hell, it's so good. Like, I'm not much of a flavor um, protein powder person. I like it just plain Mm, and then to add the extras. But today, as far as like a chocolate flavored protein powder goes and also consistency, this is the best plant-based one I've ever tried. And again, guys, remember, Mm. this is non-sponsored. This is just stuff we love. Um, It is expensive. I can't even remember because I bought it. It's like years ago. Is Wellco Elle McPherson? Yeah. It's Elle yeah, I remember when stuff. you had the elixir stuff and yeah. her, um, it tasted like that green apple. Remember yeah. that? That green apple elixir or whatever? Yes. Back, in, back in the day. God, that ago. was forever ago. So, God, that yeah. tub's probably from there. Like, I've been carting it around. I reckon that's easily six plus yeah. years ago. It'll be, like, out of date, but I've been just it using... Who fuck? It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. I'm not dead like the flies. <laughs> but it's, if, you, if you're looking for, like, a flavoured like protein powder and particularly chocolate... And you just, I think I just did oh. irreparable damage to the fucking grape industry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm yeah, can't now. recommend it enough if you love that sort of flavour. Mm. Anyway, nice. I think we might wrap this up. Because we up. have to. Because <laughs> we have to, because well, you have a client right now. Thanks heaps for listening. Um, can you do us a favour, guys? Please head over. Just It'll take you like 
20 seconds. Just head over and leave us a review on iTunes. Even just hit the stars. That would be wonderful. Um, And as always, please share this episode on socials. Um, It would mean the world. Um, other than that, have a bloody awesome week and have well, an weekend, awesome week and or weekend whenever I post this. When it, <laughs> whenever that's and relevant. no rush. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Okay. Bye now. Bye.